0: Welcome to The Call, Men's Bible Study with men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck. You know, taking responsibility is a sign of maturity. Avoiding responsibility, well, that's the stuff for boys. In fact, you probably remember your parents or teacher or a coach putting you in a corner at some point in your life and saying, well, what do you have to say for yourself? You know, the first two kings of Israel were men just like us. Their names were David and Saul. One man is famously referred to as a man after God's own heart and Israel's greatest warrior, king, and poet. Now the other man is better known as the guy who lost his job as a leader of God's people. Now both of these men made terrible mistakes as men put into a leadership position by God, which I think should be comforting to know. But why did only one of these men lose favor with God in the midst of his mistake, while the other gained favor with God in the midst of his? That's something every believing man should want to know. Now before we join Kenny for today's message, Please take a moment to share this video. Now, let's go live from Crossline Church in Laguna Hills, California for part three of More of That.
1: Good morning, guys. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to kind of hold a spot in about four or five chapters. It's first the book of 1 Samuel, like 10 through 15. We're in this, uh, we're in this series called More of That. And I want to kind of do another little intro story just to kind of get your minds in the right spot for how to receive uh, God's Word this morning. When my son was in second grade, um, you know, like any dad, you're sort of watching behavior and, and so forth, and so he's up and down, And um, but he came home from school one day and uh, told a little story about how he had won a prize, I don't know what it was, it was like a little academic contest and he won a prize and uh, he uh, instead of keeping his prize he there's a a boy in his class uh, who he felt like uh, was a little marginalized or just challenged in terms of interacting with the other boys I said so what would you do and he goes I gave him my prize now if you're a dad that's where you like jump all over that stuff amen and you just go, that is, that is awesome. And so, um, you know, nothing happened in the moment except for a real strong word of encouragement. But the next day when he came home from school, you know, he had been yapping to me about some, it's called a razor. Remember those little push scooters, right? And he had been yapping to me the last few weeks about that. But the next day when he came home from school, I said, hey, your room's a little messy. Go, up, go upstairs, clean up your room. So he goes upstairs and, oh. There it was, right, in all its glory, you know, and chrome and, and all that stuff. And the reason I share that story, as it relates to this series, more of that, is that in the spiritual life, we have a heavenly father. And he's coaching us up. He's training us up to be effective and productive sons that bring him glory. All right? Say, my purpose is to bring God glory. Right. And, we, and in the spiritual life, there are, are situations in God's word where we look at it, and where God clearly is pleased or displeased, and in your rhythm of knowing and walking with the Lord, it's good to make a note to yourself when you you see that, Um, and that's what we're doing in this series, more of that. Um, Taking responsibility is a sign of maturity. I think everybody would agree with that. Avoiding responsibility, well, that's kind of the stuff of boys, all right? And uh, in our walks with the Lord, he's really wanting us to grow up into the head, which is Christ. He calls us to grow up in every aspect. Every, everybody say every aspect, every aspect. Yeah, that's what, it, that's what it teaches in the Bible, that we're to grow up in every aspect, all right, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Uh, we're, we're supposed to grow in every aspect. And Israel's first two kings, Saul and David, were men just like like you and me, okay. One man is famously referred to as the man after God's own heart. That's right. The other guy, Saul, not so famous, but he is does have a legacy, and he got fired from the job. All right. Now, what we're going to learn about these guys is that both of them uh, made terrible mistakes as men put into leadership positions, um, and that's both comforting and instructive, because uh, I, the question is not, am I a leader, all right? The question is, what kind of leadership are you providing, all Right. Because if you interact with people at any, any place, you're a leader, you're an influencer, okay? So we're going to learn, though, why only one of these men lost favor with God in the midst of his mistake, and then the other man did not lose favor with God in the midst of his. So they both made mistakes, but then how they responded to their mistakes was determinative. So we're going to look at some similarities. We're going to look at some points of uh, departure, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to run ourselves through a little spiritual MRI, and we have to be ready for what God's Spirit reveals about us, because the fact of the matter is just like in our studies of Cain and Abel and Samson and Samuel, uh, we too reflect Both, uh, Saul and David. So let's look at the similarities, and then uh, we'll look at the points of departure. Similarity number one between Saul and David is both were anointed to serve God. Both were were anointed to serve God. In 1 Samuel 10, we see uh, the prophet Samuel identifying and anointing Samuel to be king. It says this, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying... Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his own inheritance? So the context is, is that at this time with God's people, their eyes are off of God, the priesthood is corrupt, and God's people are looking around to the other nations and seeing, hey, what do they got going? And they see that the other nations have kings. And so impatiently and not in a good place, with God, they start clamoring to Samuel the prophet for a king. And then Sam, God, God says to Samuel, okay, I'm just, I'm going to let him borrow trouble. I'm going to give him a king. All right? And now this is the moment where Samuel anoints Saul. Now, the same kind of moment happened for David as well. As David replaced Saul, it says this, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance Or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So uh, they both, Saul reigned for 40 years and then. David took his place, and so we see a lot of similarities, but lest we divorce ourselves from these two men who have been anointed to serve God, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to bear fruit, fruit that lasts. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So... God uh, anointed Saul to serve him. God anointed David to serve him. And, And I'm telling you that God has anointed you in Christ not to serve yourself, but to serve him. All right? So that's similarity number one between David and Saul and us. All right? Similarity number two both were powerfully touched by God. Both men were powerfully touched by God. We read in 1 Samuel 10 verses 9, and 10, 9 through 11, about Saul getting powerfully touched by God. It says this, as Saul turned to leave Samuel. So this is right after that moment where he gets anointed to serve the Lord. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart. And all these signs were fulfilled that day when he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. Listen to this. Let's finish it together. The Spirit of the God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. So Samuel's heart, at this moment in his life, is touched powerfully God, by God. You ever had a moment like that, where God just spoke to you, and you could sense his presence, and he was talking just to you? And you could, you could sense that, you know, I, yes, I, I'm made by God, and, and I'm made for God, and And God has a purpose for me. That's what happened here with Samuel. It says that that God changed Saul's heart. So here we have a powerful, positive moment where Saul senses physically, I'm God's man. All right. Now, David also had many, many moments like this. And we read about David's in 2 Samuel uh, 6.14, the Ark of the Covenant, uh, which contained God's word. Was stolen by the Philistines. All right? And then David goes and gets it back. All right? Now, everybody's happy about having the word of God in their possession. Amen? (laughs) So here's what happens David, it says this wearing a linen ephod, which is a garment of worship, David, let's finish it together David was dancing before the Lord with all his might while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And so this is just a little cherry pick. I just wanted to cherry pick a little moment in David's life where he was publicly passionate, touched by God. Why? Because he was in possession of the word of God. It was so precious that it be in Israel's possession. And he does not care what people think about him. He is dancing before the Lord. He is ecstatic out there. And there were many other moments in David's history, but I just cherry-picked this one. So both men are anointed to serve God. Both are powerfully touched by God. And here again, don't separate yourself from Saul or David because in Christ, you have been powerfully touched by God. The Bible says that when a man crosses the line... And receives the person of work of Christ for himself. That God pours the spirit of his son into our hearts. Wow. So God's spirit powerfully came on Saul. God's spirit powerfully came on David. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have received power from God. Because God has deposited his Holy Spirit in your life. And you can have these similar encounters with God's spirit. So that's, that's the second similarity. Third similarity is that both men were warriors on the battlefield. Both men were warriors on the battlefield. There was a situation where a king sent messages. That's what kings did to talk smack, you know, in the Old Testament in that time. They would send messages and they would like threaten each other. And, uh, and so Saul... Here's a message from one of the nearby kings who says, I'm going to go dispossess you of all your stuff. And here's the reaction. When Saul heard these words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. The next day, Saul separated his men into three divisions. During the last watch of the night, they broke into the camp of the Ammonites and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Oh! That's a very uh, brave heart, <laughs> very, very gladiator, very 300, just like, oh, no, you aren't. And he just goes, we're, we're going to go attack at night. I mean, this, that's, and the spirit of the Lord powerfully came upon him to protect Israel from invading uh, forces. Now, in David's life, we all know the guy was, you know, Israel's best warrior, Israel's best poet, you know, and one of Israel's best leaders, but on the, the battlefield, I mean, I just, cher- again, cherry-picked a little, a little description in 1 Chronicles 18, verses 5 and 6. It says this, When the Arameans of Damascus came to help Had- Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck down 22,000 of them. He put garrisons in the Aramean kingdom of Damascus, and the Arameans became subject to him and brought him tribute. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. So man, what what a, what a what a life you live. You know, you're leading a people, you're walking with God, you're trying to defend territory and take territory, and then you're on the battlefield with your guys and in this one battle, I just, you know, the number struck me. 22,000 of the other guys, Nomas, right? And unless you divorce yourself from from Saul or David as being warriors on the battlefield, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 11 and 12, it says this, but you man of God, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your confession in the presence of many witnesses. So you see that they had an identity as being God's man, you have an identity of being God's man. That's why Paul says to Timothy, but you, man of God, there's identity where's the man of God supposed to put his energy into the fight all right we don't have swords and shields and we're not taking territory and we live in a a safe country Uh, our fight is spiritual all right and we're supposed to fight the good fight of the faith so there's identity and then energy and then what's the expression we're taking hold of the eternal life to which we've been called all right so that's the third similarity all right they were warriors on the battlefield and then the last one is that both sinned against the Lord. Both sinned against the Lord. Now, Saul's issue was a little different than than David's issue, but we read about Saul's issue in 1 Samuel 15, verses 16 and 19, and I'll just give you a little context, okay? When Samuel went to fight um, Agag... Uh, one of the kings of the Amalekites, God said, "Wipe it out, right? These are terrorists. These are people who terrorize our people. Just absolutely wipe it out. We don't want any plunder, any people. It, it was a like scorched earth instruction. Okay. Now, uh, Saul did not do that. Saul decided to get creative. Saul decided to uh, improve on God's plan." by not doing what he said, and he kind of kept some of the good stuff for himself. And when confronted, this was his, he responded by uh, kind of defending what he did. And then here is Samuel's response. Samuel says to Saul, enough, Samuel said to Saul. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul said. Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel. The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder, might want to circle that, pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? And so Essentially, we see very clear instruction. Clear instructions weren't followed. And in the midst of trying to do what God told him to do, he got selfish and greedy. He pounced on the plunder. He wasn't supposed to keep any of that. all right. So he kept some of the, 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 the cattle and the, 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 the sheep. And, and, and then he spared their king when he was supposed to wipe him out. all right. So David, or Saul sinned against the Lord by selectively obeying God, all right? David, on the other hand, his sins are very famous and in black and white. By the way, on that note, you notice that God doesn't feel the need to hide the problems of his people? They're right back here in the open. They're right here for all of us to look at and to study. And he doesn't want us to hide ours either, but his sins are very well-documented. And in 2 Samuel chapter 12, if you're not familiar with the man of God named Nathan. So there was Samuel for Saul, and there was Nathan for David. These are like their pastors, all right? And so David sins, he's, he's surfing the net on top of his roof, right? When he's supposed to be at battle, it says in the Bible at, at, a, at a time when, when kings are to be at battle, and so he phones it in and tells Joab, hey, I'm going to stay home. And now he's kind of out of his element, you know, Satan's playground, right? When we phone it in and we give ourselves permission not to be where God has assigned us to be. And so he sees Bathsheba taking a bath on the roof. He gets filled with the same thoughts that sometimes fill our heads, except for he acts on it and he has the power to just get what he wants. And so he sleeps with Bathsheba and then he tries to cover it up and then he, he can't cover it up. And then he ends up sending her husband to a battle where he dies. And so he plots and delivers on murder. So this is the moment where Nathan confronts David and tells him a story, right? Kind of sets him up, tees him up. So David, uh, Nathan tells him the story about there was a man with a lot of sheep and there was a man with only one sheep. And the man with a lot of sheep saw the man with the one sheep and he said, I want that one sheep even though I have everything, right? And uh, David starts his 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 blood begins to boil at this man who would be who would do such a thing. A guy has so much, and this guy has so little. He has one ewe lamb, and he loves this one ewe lamb. Who would do such a thing? So here's the follow-up. Then Nathan said to David, "You are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: I anointed you king." over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you, and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you all Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you more. Let's finish it together. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife, to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. So, here we are. It's like, what? Guys, guys, come on. You're anointed by to serve God. You're powerfully touched by God. You're called into a theater of battle to fight for the Lord. And in the midst of all that, there's imperfection, there's flaws, there's temptations, and they sin egregiously against the lord right i see myself in saul and david i see myself in them and you know the best the best men god's best men um they've sinned against him and and you look at the bible and you see well peter he found he well, god built the church on peter you know there in acts chapter two paul listen to the words of paul in romans uh in romans chapter seven he says so i find this law at work Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So then in my mind, I'm a slave to God's law. Listen to this. But in my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. That's Romans 7, verse 21, okay? And so there is, there is both comfort and, uh, and challenge in that, but here they are. So everything's similar now. Now, what's the points of, of departure? And as... As we, as we study God's rhythm with David and Saul, now we're going to put ourselves through a little spiritual MRI, right? Because God's man needs to look at, number one, selective versus total obedience when God speaks. Selective versus total obedience when God speaks. In Saul's case, uh, this was the post-mortem. It says this in 1 Samuel 15, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up out of Egypt. Now, here's the the clear instruction once again. Now, go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy all that belongs to them. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I regret that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. might want to circle that because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Samuel was angry, and he cried out to the Lord all that night. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul, but he was told, listen to this, Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone, uh, gone on down to Gilgal. So you see the creep? There's creep. It's, it's, it's where I feel the freedom to fudge on God's word. And that takes pride where, hey, God, I hear what you're saying, but I know better. And then now it's creeped into his spirit post-victory. He's, he's forgotten that he's even sinned against the Lord, and now he's going to go steal the glory from the Lord for the victory. This is a temptation of every man. When God gives clear instruction. And then you get creative with his clear instruction and you selectively obey. You will start a slippery slope into pride and self-destruction. And this is is the moment in Saul's life that we really have to study and we really have to consider and we have to reflect on. Now, when God replaces Saul, in the statement uh, to Saul... God says this through Samuel. He says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out. Everybody say sought out. Sought out. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Okay. What does that mean? All right. And appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So there just in the message to Saul, we see the contrast of who David is okay? He's a man for me on the inside, not just on the outside, all right? I see his insides. And it's not that God didn't know he was going to not blow it. He did, all right? But he said, because you have not kept the Lord's command. So we're going to, as we move forward, this is the first theme. You look at your life and you're like, am I a selective obeyer of God or am I a total obeyer of God? We're watching this in the rhythm of God relating to Saul and David, we got to consider that, and then we'll unpack a little bit about the difference between David and Saul in a second. So that's the first thing we need to look at. Secondly, we need to look at defending versus confessing when God confronts us in our sin. It's just human nature. You know, maybe a, a coach or a parent or someone in your life has said, and... What do you have to say for yourself, young man, right? And then we're just like, well, I, 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 I you know, and you say stuff, and you self-protect, and you go find people who will agree with you, you know, friends or whoever, and then you start pushing back when it's very clear that God has, is, is lovingly kind of shining the light on an area of your life, and then you go eighth grade. I, I can go back to eighth grade when I'm caught, like in a millisecond. I don't know about you, and I can start defending and pushing back and defending myself. I mean, that eighth grader's right there. Um, and, and here's the, here's the hard, hard thing. We see this contrast of owning and taking responsibility versus deflecting it. All right? In in this exchange here in 1st Samuel 15, listen to what Saul thinks. So we've we've kind of we we've sort of analyzed, okay, here's what happened. They both kind of had the same template and then Saul got a clear instruction. He disobeyed it. He got creative. And then this is when he gets caught. This is what he says. But I did obey the Lord. Saul said, "I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the, the Amalekites didn't and brought back Agag, their king, the soldiers. Now, here's the, the point of departure where he just like got creative and added to God's word. The soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was de- devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. But Samuel replied, let's say this together, does the Lord delight the In burnt offerings and sacrifices, as much as obeying the Lord, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. So Saul is defending not doing what God told him to do and giving a spiritual reason for disobeying the Lord. You ever do that? Spiritualize your disobedience. I hear it all the time in men's ministry. Oh, God wants me to be happy. That's the biggest crock of you-know-what you've ever heard in your life. Or you go get scripture and you go justify yourself. You know, well, God, God wants me to do that, you know. When you just have been caught. And so Saul does what we all do. He's been caught and then he starts to defend and he starts to deflect. And instead of owning responsibility and repenting, he starts deflecting and he starts digging the hole deeper and deeper, right? It's very instructive in our rhythm and walk with the Lord, right? God's looking for someone else. Now, what happened with David in his moment of confrontation? Let's read it together. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Ready? Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. What a difference between defending and self-protecting and and not owning to after david gets confronted and gets all huffy in this story about the man with all the sheep taking the 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 one you lamb of the poor man and then he gets all and then you're the man and david just says i've sinned against the lord that's what god's looking for and how did nathan respond to david graciously graciously i mean god took away saul's kingdom because of his response and stopped, he stopped his influence. And David says, you know what? I've sinned against the Lord. And then, and then Nathan says, hey, the Lord's taken away your sin. Isn't that good news? You know, if you're here this morning or you're watching out there on, online with the live stream community, the Lord's saying this morning, this is how I want you to respond when you blow it. You just need to say, man, I." and he says, I sinned against the Lord. Did he sin against man? yes but he sinned against the Lord first. He knew what he did was wrong, and so when confronted, he didn't defend, he confessed. Now, here's what I want you to hear on this. I want to camp on this just for one more minute. The issue for God is not who blew it less. Did you hear me? That's the issue. Sin is sin is sin. Amen? The issue was not who blew it less. The issue was how did the man respond when confronted with his sin? And that response by David made him the man after God's own heart. Because the man after God's own heart, when he got confronted and blew it, repented. He did what God wanted him to do. To look, to look at the look at the truth, hear the truth, respond to the truth, and just say, I blew it. I have sinned, and then he received his relationship back with God. In your rhythm, and your walk with Jesus Christ, the question is not, do you have flaws and are you perfect? The question is, when you do blow it, what do you do? When you get confronted about you, how do you respond? Do you own it or you deflect it and kill the messenger? Okay, One is sponsored by the Holy Spirit. The other is sponsored by the flesh and the devil, and we see this slippery slope. Uh, continue uh, in their lives. Uh, look at the next, the, the next thing we need to examine, and that is we have to look at are we deceived versus dependent in our connection with God? Now, after Saul gets confronted, we read in 1 Samuel 16, 14, these words, Because he's deflecting, he's not taking ownership, he didn't say, I have sinned. His response was totally off. Look at what the Bible says. Let's read together. Now, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. So from this moment, because sin puts a barrier between us and God. Do we still have a relationship with God? Absolutely. But he wants us to clear the air, so to speak and 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 have understanding of what we did and confess and repent of what we did and then have a right relationship restored the right way back with him well the spirit of the lord had departed from from Saul now we see two men one is deceived all right and then the other is dependent on god and this is post mistake all right in first samuel chapter 23 it says this Saul was told that David had gone to Kelah and he said, God had delivered him, has delivered him into my hands. For David has imprisoned himself by entering a town with gates and bars. And Saul called up all his forces for battle to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. So that's the first response. All right? Saul, after the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him, actually believes that God... Is, has, has delivered David into his hands so he can kill David. <laughs> this is total spiritual self-deception where he didn't make it right, he didn't confess and repent. Now, David, on the other hand, hears the news that Saul, in his self-deception, thinks God is, 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 is helping him kill him. Listen to what it says about David. When David learned that Saul was plotting against him, He said to Abiathar, the priest, bring the ephod. Okay, there's that worship garment again. So he hears a circumstance. There's a a psycho king who has all the resources available to him, and he's hunting David. In response to hearing that he's going to come after him, uh, he, he turns to his pastor at the moment, and he says, bring the ephod, David said, the Lord... God of Israel, your servant has heard definitely that Saul plans to come to Keilah and destroy the town on account of me. Will the citizens of Keilah surrender me to him? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? Lord, God of Israel, tell your servant. And the Lord said he will. One man is totally deceived and in his self-deception is acting out the lie he believes that God is with him to go kill somebody. Then there's this other man who's being hunted like an animal, and he's repenting, and he's depending on God. He's not deceived. He's dependent, Lord, what do I do? Lord, is this true? And we, when we look at our walk with the Lord and rhythm with the Lord, we have to, to ask ourselves, you know, are we, are we glossing over the, the, the sin in our lives and walking around with it? And, and self-deception and letting it remain in our lives, thinking that God's okay with it after the spirit of the Lord has departed because we didn't deal with it the right way? Or are we like David who said, I sinned against the Lord and now I'm, I'm dependent. I'm turning to the Lord and I'm asking him questions about my life and, and, and what should I do and seeking the Lord and, and seeking a word from the Lord. That's David. He's dependent on the Lord. He needs a word from the Lord. Do you need a word from the Lord today? Seek the Lord today. So here's the thing. Those are the things that that we look at. Now, in the post-mortem, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul is, is, is explaining the history of God's people to some Gentile believers in Antioch. So he's giving a very, you know, here's the history of God's people 101 lesson, and he's building up to the coming of Jesus. So they got some new Greek believers and he's kind of giving them a history lesson of, this is the the story that you have entered because you put your faith in Christ, Israel's Messiah. He says this in uh, Acts chapter 13, he says, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel the prophet. Then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. Let's finish it together. After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So now, in the narrative, we've learned that it wasn't that David was by any means uh, perfect. Both men were anointed by God to serve him. Both men were powerfully touched by God. Both men, all right, were warriors on the battlefield. Both men sinned horribly against God. So what was it? Clearly, it was in the moment of confrontation over them sinning against the Lord, one man repented and one man did not. And that's what made David the man after God's own heart. Even in the midst of his it was in the midst of his mistake, not on not on the mountaintop of victory. So when you think about yourself and you think about the areas of your life where it's man I, I have I have some work to do here or I'm 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 struggling to win more of Christ's character. In, in this area of my life, whether it's my marriage or the way I use words or, um, or pornography or just whatever it is. You need to look at the rhythm of God's relationship with these two men and see the critical moment. I have sinned against the Lord. And, and you want to hear the mor- this morning the word of the Lord. God has taken away your sin. In Jesus' God has taken away your sin. If you know Christ and you've received him into your life, you have a, a relationship with God. And in that relationship, there's a rhythm. Okay? And it's it's me cooperating uh, with God and working with God. And I don't, and you'll you won't do it perfectly throughout the course of your life. But in the moments when you do transgress and you cross the line, all God's looking for is simple repentance. Just say what he's already said. All have sinned, and so, as we close, my question is to you is this: you know god's watching us what what will or would God testify concerning me and in, in the passage it says you know and 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 God testified concerning him, what would God testify concerning me? Did I confess it's not was I perfect that's not the issue is you know, when Kenny blew it, he just said, he sinned against me, and he, he repented, and he changed his mind about his behavior, right? Is he going to see selective obedience, is he, or is he going to see my best effort to totally do whatever he says? Is he going to see me self-protect and defend myself, or is he going to see me confess? Is he going to see me walk forward in that self-deception and, and act spiritually, in my self-deception at when the Spirit of the Lord isn't on me, or am I going to be dependent like David and come out of you know some of my mistakes even more dependent and aware that I need God, I need a word from the Lord? So this is an awesome story of two guys just like us. Amen? Well then, like them, let's learn the lesson and let's go to prayer and let's ask God to... Uh, to, to help us, all right? Let's bow our heads and we'll go to discussion. Father, thank you for this study in your word. It's rich. It's yo, full. Yo, yo, and man, what I to love me. about the word, guys, it tells yeah. our story. Uh-huh. Lord, you didn't hide the problems of your men. It's here in black and white. Why? Because you're their redeemer. It's a story of you working with two men. And it wasn't that they were perfect. God, thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, you've cleansed us from our mistakes. It's not about... Earning your favor. It's about learning how to live in you. And so teach us, Lord. Teach us how to just, when you speak, help us to just do what you say. When you confront us, help us not to be defenders of our behavior and deflectors, but confessors and owners of the things that we've done wrong. God, help us, save us from self deception and self righteousness. And help us be dependent like David. Lord, we need a word from you this morning. Thank you for speaking your word into our chests through this story. Now, help us speak life and blessing to one another in discussion. In Jesus' name we ask and all God's men said, amen.